So very good morning. Um, We're dancing about scripture uh, today. And so would you have your Bibles ready? Although I am going to put up on the screen uh, much of the scriptures, but later on I will look at Micah chapter 6, just briefly as a wee exercise for us. Um, we are going through this series. For those who are visiting or, or those who this is your first week here for a while, um, we note, notice that after lockdown we had to get to know each other as a church family. And in fact, um, in the last 15 months, at least one-fifth, and actually it's now increasing again, uh, are totally new to the church family. And that's why the Cayley happened on Saturday, Friday? Friday night. <laughs> and it was, it was to raise money for Steadfast Global. Colin, how much did we make? I like that little bit at the end. The contributions are still coming in, but um, if you couldn't make it and you still want to give something towards that, Steadfast Global are one of our mission partners, and the way in which we give to them is through events. So we will have a car wash in the spring or something like that, and all the money will go to Steadfast, who work with Christians who are persecuted all over the world. So, But the Cayley was, was partly as well about just getting to know each other, and it was good to, to dance together. So one-fifth of the church family at least are completely new, and so we need to get to know each other. But also, um, we felt that we had to just do a little series, it's probably about eight weeks, looking at some, some foundations, and I think, can I maybe just get the first screen up there, Daniel? Um, and it, So we've called it Foundations, and, and we're, we're looking at a series of, of um, I'll come to that in a minute, actually. First of all, what I want to do this is this. Today we're speaking about worship. Now, we have sung worship quite a lot, but we know that's not the, the, the fullness of worship. But when it comes to sung worship in the church, um, always a place where you're going to have conflict. Always, 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 always. In fact, when I, when I was first here 15 years ago as a pastor, probably within about three or four deacons meetings, I, I was challenged over... Um, being in charge of corporate worship. Now, I, don't, I think you need a leader when it comes to that. And there was one leader who was wanting to take control of Sunday morning worship. And it was a different bag back then as it is today. The church has, has just changed quite a lot. But I knew that that would be folly because if there was anything that the church are going to fight over, it's how long we stand, how many traditional songs, how many contemporary songs, if people raise their hands, if people are allowed to sing out, and all sorts of things um, could cause conflict in the life of the church. And so I can quite clearly remember that, maybe my third or fourth, something like deacons meeting, just saying, no, I'm, I'm called here. And one of the things I'm called for is uh, to help and to, to guide discipleship. And I know that Sunday morning worship and what we do here is crucial to that. Not the only thing. And unfortunately, um, when it comes to discipleship, I think the church has laxed in discipleship and looked to Sunday morning to be the only time to teach. And, and, and you don't see anyone for the, until the next Sunday. But it is still important. This gathering together, uh, the singing theology, the silence Last week, Miranda used a lot of breathing and releasing and hand movements in worship. 
uh, is very, very important for our discipleship. And so I'll say that just at the beginning, because when it comes to a topic of worship in which I'm going to speak about today, that in itself is a long, long, long sermon series. But I'm just going to touch on two things, only two things. So this is what we've been doing. I've put this up every week. So we're lo- we've been looking at the gospel, what it is. We've been looking at authority and scripture, what that is. And today we're looking at worship um, how the good news about Jesus informs our worship. And then we'll do discipleship, community, mission, ministry, and future hope. But today, oh, ah, that's it. Great. I didn't know I'd done that. So today I'm going to look at worship. And like I says, much of my notes are going to be up on the screen just to help you out. And I will also send uh, stuff to our, uh, out in the email just for our home groups. So what is worship? We've all got an idea about it. Um, a lot of people just think it is spoken, sung worship, should I say. But we know that it's much more than that. And when it comes to both the New Testament and the Old Testament, the concept that I think that fully encapsulates worship, if you read, you'll, you'll see it repeated time and time again is the idea of drawing near to the presence of God. Worship is drawing near to the presence of God. This is what Adam and Eve did uh, and enjoyed when they walked with God in the garden of the, uh, in the cool of day in Eden. In God's presence, without sin, there's relationship, and they were in God's presence. God created them for that relationship so that they could walk in the sanctuary of his presence, so that they could tabernacle in the sanctuary of his presence in the garden. That's the way God intended it always to be. And it will be again in the new heavens and in the new earth. This is what the children of Israel experienced when they were called in in, Exodus 19. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God. They stood at the fount of Mount Sinai where God gave Moses the law. And they were not to step too far, otherwise they would die. But they were invited to draw near to God's presence, who is a holy God. And, uh, and so you see that drawing near to the presence of God. Psalm 100. And you'll find lots of passages like this where it says, Come before him. With joyful songs, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Draw near to God's presence. And also Isaiah, when he, at the very beginning of his book, it says that he he had an experience where God took him, where God drew him up into the heavens, where he saw the law high and exalted. So very simply, right at the beginning, I want to say, I believe worship is to draw near to God, to commune um, with him in his very presence. And I think that is why, and although I really get to it because I'm often here, but that is why Sunday mornings in that glass room are so important, where people arrive at about 9.45. And they are praying for us. They are recognizing who God is. Yes, they may throw a little intercessory prayer here or there. I, I 
I wouldn't know, but I would imagine that the majority of what they are doing is just fueling what goes on here. Drawing near to the presence of God. Maybe themselves they are coming thinking, I need to spend some time in silence because I feel distant from God. I am burdened. I can't hear God. And so maybe they sit in silence, which I love to do in, in some prayer meetings. Because I'm, I'm a leader, people often look for me to lead, and I just love it when they give me permission to be quiet and to be led by others in their prayers, and it helps me. They say prayers from the heart, which I believe are from the Lord in, in his heavens, and it just so resonates with me. So I'm, I'm giving a big shout out for that, that morning prayer time because it helps us to be prepared to come in into God's presence. God is with us. God tabernacles with us all the time. We know that. We never leave us nor forsake us, but there is something quite important. And it's always been the case when God's people come together in these corporate events, whether it be to sing, whether it be to dance, whether it be to confess, whether it be to hear God's word, but to come in the name of Jesus, so important to draw near to worship God. Unfortunately, we know this part of the story where Adam and Eve fell into sin. And they, put it this way, they were expelled from the sanctuary of God's presence. Why? Because it's impossible for sinners to draw near to God. It's impossible for those who are in darkness to approach light. God's people were not allowed to step onto Mount Sinai, otherwise they would die. It is impossible for those who are in sin. They need the grace of God to approach the throne of grace. So therefore, in the Old Testament, we see that God established the sacrificial system. And it allowed sinners, people who are in sin, to partially or temporarily draw near to God and worship. And you'll see that so intricate, it's so complicated in the, the Old Testament. But it is there so that people can come. At certain festivals, certain feasts, once a year, with the whole family on their own, representing people to come and approach a holy God for a period of time and under certain circumstances. But ultimately sinners cannot by their own merit because they think they deserve it, because they're a good person or any of that nonsense, they cannot enter the very presence of God. That's why the high priest, the, the high priest was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. What's the Holy of Holies? Some people might say. Well, the temple, well, first of all, the tabernacle, which was the tent which then turned into the temple when they built up in stones, had very specific dimensions. And at the very center of that was the Holy of Holies, guarded, protected. And only the high priest once a year was able to approach and enter into the Holy of Holies. And even at that, it was very specific how he was allowed to do that. So... I say that again, we cannot by our own merit, because we think we're good enough where we deserve to enter into the sanctuary of God's presence. And if it means to worship God, to draw near to him and to his presence, then we've got a problem. And so God provided the means by which we're able to draw near to his very presence. For through him, Jesus Christ, we have both access to the Father 
by one spirit. Here there's it's, it's a Trinitarian aspect here of drawing near to God. It's only through Jesus we have access to God the Father through the, the Holy Spirit. It's impossible, it's only possible through the life and the sacrifice of Jesus. And I know this is 101, this is basic stuff for us. But it's important to say right at the beginning, to clarify it as part of the gospel message, as part of our hope is in Jesus and Jesus only. It's revealed in scripture. It's important because we can get bogged down so much with what worship is and how it should be and all of that. Ultimately, it's about coming into God's presence with confidence. It's about coming in without fear of death. It's about coming in because Jesus has made it possible. What right have you got to pray to God and that he would hear from you? Well, because of his grace and mercy. What right have you come to come and sing and feel good about that experience? Well, you can because of Jesus, his grace and mercy, his life and his sacrifice. So now in Jesus, we're able to join and worship that is per What's that word? Perpetuatingly? Perpe There's always <laughs> on, always has been and always will be. Today we've been part of that. Whether you sang a word or you did not sing a word, whether you cried or shouted or laughed, you were joining in in the praise that has been going on and will go on in the very presence of God. The saints are, are involved in that just now. And all the angels and the hosts. And because of Jesus... What we have brought this morning, it is worth something. And we see this concept of drawing near in the book of Hebrews quite a lot. In fact, Hebrews, and I read from it at the beginning, Hebrews is all, all about worship. So important to the book of Hebrews, the, the idea of worship and how it is possible and how we do it. But we read here in Chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. And it's beautifully pictured again in uh, chapter 12, where we read, but you have come, you have drawn near to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels and joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. It's a beautiful picture of what worship is, what, what it means to come and draw near and to join in. How are we able to do that? Again, 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 I say, because of Jesus. Nothing in our own right merits anything that we bring is worthy, but only because of Jesus. So if you've had a garbage week this week, or you've had a good week this week, in your worship you should bring that. In the silence or in the songs, you should bring your whole experiences. He knows your thoughts anyway. You cannot hide them from them. And so that's what it means to come and to draw near. And very finally, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. 
So in the entirety of Scripture, the concept that I think encapsulates worship is this idea of drawing near to the presence of God. What is worship? Drawing near to the presence of God. How are we able to do that? Through the blood of the Lamb, through his life, death, and resurrection. How are we able to do that? Because we call on Jesus and we are saved. And by his Spirit, through Jesus, we draw near to the Father and worship. I think I've covered that fully about three times. But here's something that has been on my mind quite a bit this week. Come on. Authentic worship. Today, it seems that authenticity in worship is very important to people. I understand that. Who wants to be a fake? Who wants to say all the right things here when people are watching, but then for the rest of the week... We're the absolute opposite. No one wants to be a hypocrite. But what do we mean by authentic? Well, I scoured a few dictionaries and I've come up with three primary dictionary definitions of authentic. There are more, but I've come up with three that I found on a whole bunch that seem to be repeating itself. And the first one is this. To be authentic means the opposite of being hypocritical. And it's certainly true that God wants us to draw near to him in worship from the depth of our hearts and truthfulness. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And although I get that idea of we don't want to be a hypocrite and so we want to be authentic, but I think in our day and age, certainly with the generation below mine, I think they've got a different idea of authentic worship than that. And that's, I think, comes out in the second dictionary definition of authentic. And it means being true to myself. I want to be authentic. I want to be true to myself. You hear that not just in the church. You hear that in our cultural conversation quite a lot. I want to be true to myself. And so when we tag that when we marry that with worship where are we going and what does it really mean we want to be true to our natural expressions we want to do that which is natural to me but there's a great problem with that a huge problem in doing things that are natural to us and the problem is what is natural to me isn't always necessarily what is good and best What is natural to me isn't always good and best. It might be in time as the Holy Spirit continues his work of sanctification and transformation in our hearts through the the word of God. And isn't that what Jesus prayed? Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus encourages us To make that a part of our daily prayers. Father, today, may your will be done. In my life, in the the places I go, as it is in heaven. May may, may people see God's kingdom in my speech. And and, and may my thoughts be pure and holy as Jesus is. May my actions demonstrate 
the kingdom in my community and may I affect that through your Holy Spirit. That is our prayer and it's a prayer that God through his word because we, we find out what God wants us to do through his word and Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. We're in a process of sanctification and transformation or that idea of the butterfly metamorphosis. If Davy Barry is the same when he came to faith age 15 as he is today age 50, that is a poorer Davy Barry. But praise be to God, and I know this is, and this is not boasting, but this is a fact, I have matured since I've been 15. Not just an age where you become a bit more mellow and you see things differently and you're, you're not wanting to leave your mark everywhere as young 20s and 30-year-olds often do. But through what God is doing, through his word, an example of Jesus Christ and through his Holy Spirit, I am being changed, glory to glory, to become like Jesus And so, in time, it is possible for our natural selves to be holier. In time. And we long for God's kingdom to break in. I long for God's kingdom to break in more and more that I am less anxious about what people think about me. I'm less anxious when people are... Eh, they just go in a bad mood. And I'm, I, I, I share this example because it has been an example for me. It isn't as much anymore. And I think, what have I done to offend that person? What have I done that they would walk away? What have I done? And the more and more I've left that fear of abandonment before the Lord, the more I realize that there's always two sides to the conversation. And more often than not, people have their baggage which causes them to react like that, that causes them to respond like that. And that example is mine of change, where God is changing how I look at situations by his word and through his spirit. So hopefully what is natural to us, what is authentic to us, is conforming to what? Not to the patterns of the world, because our culture is changing time and time and to an unbelievably fast rate. And our culture has got no north point, no north star, whatever, no compass point. Our culture is truly and affecting our children in ways that, that unless you, well, I'm sure you are aware of things that are going on in the news, but our children are swimming in those waters. Be true to yourself. Live authentically as you see. But we are called to a different way. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to conform to the word of God, to Jesus Christ as revealed in the word of God by his Holy Spirit. We're not to be like the pastor. We're not to be like Howard Simpson. We're not to be like um, Pete Allen. But we are to conform to how God has laid out in his word. We see it in the life of Jesus. We have to get on our knees and pray, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. So we need to be careful when we say authentic worship because we're fallen individuals. May we continue to be sanctified. May we continue to be transformed.
May we be open to what God has planned for us. Individually, corporately, as men and women in our church families, wherever they may be. Because then we can step into authentic worship and bring a sacrifice that is really of praise. So that's the second concept, this definition of authentic. What does it mean being true to myself? But we recognize that our self is fallen. We need to be true to worship as revealed in God's word. And the final one, and this comes to that. True, to be authentic means true when compared to a standard. Anybody get any money on you? I shall never get any money on you. Any paper money? Let's see who brings paper money. Right, go and put it in the collection. No, I'm looking. <laughs> Anybody get? Excellent. Thank you, Richard. Oh. <laughs> Richard's got a hundred pound note here. <laughs> no, a tenner. So here's a tenner. And it's uh, £10. And, and importantly, we've all had this experience when we went down to London, maybe, and we've put across a Scottish tenor. And, What's this? It's legal tender. It's still in there. It's legal tender. But that's a standard. We know that that £10 is, is, is um, gauged by a standard of what a £10 is. No one can go and make it up. If you can, it's a fake. It's a forgery. And, and you'll be found out. So this is authentic, and this £10 is true when compared to the standard of a £10. <laughs> and it's with this third definition of worship, I think, that we need to press into a little bit. What is the standard? I've said it and I've jumped about all over the place, but Jesus Christ is revealed in the Word of God. That is our standard. We want to make sure that everything about how we worship, whether or not the particular expressions are natural to us or not, are in conformity to the standard of Jesus Christ as revealed in God's word. That is true worship. So whether we sing contemporary songs, whether we sing modern um, traditional songs, whether it's one guitarist, one pianist, drums or not, that's all fluff and side stuff. If the worship team up here were doing it for ego, I would know, because I work with these guys and I know, and ladies, and I know their heart. And they bring their fullness, their brokenness, their hopes, their dreams, and they bring all of that in as worship leaders. But even all of that is fluff. It really is about our walk daily. How do we walk daily? What is our worship like? What is, is it authentic? In other words, is it like the way Jesus walked? Is our ethic Jesus' ethic? Are we walking in the dust of a rabbi? To finish with, can I ask you to open up to Micah chapter 6? I'm going to read the full chapter, but I, I then will go back after a pause and we'll read from verse 6, which you will know, I'm sure. Micah chapter 6. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is a lodging, he is lodging a, 
a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak king of Moab counseled and what Balaam son of Boar answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be blessed with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sins of my soul? He has showed you, O oh man and woman, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? What is authentic worship? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I ask us just to pause with those words for a moment. desire in this church family to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ to not to be like Perth or Inverness or wherever to not go by that standard but to go by the standard of Jesus Christ and by doing that which is hard at times because we rub off on each other but by doing that people who do not yet know Jesus would be inspired to check Jesus out and in time, according to God's will, by his spirit, confess Jesus Lord and Saviour and start on an incredible life. My experience of coming to faith is that I came to faith through a, a, a radical dynamic community called Queen's Park Baptist Church. They loved me into God's kingdom. But it wasn't just that standard, it was Jesus' standard that drew me. And so by what standard will you worship this week? How will your worship be authentic? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. May it be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.